You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino, Placerville, and it's time for the Wednesday edition of KVMR's Evening News. For their support, we'd like to thank Beneficial Biologics, locally produced organic gardening products, founded in Humboldt County in 2010, offering nutrient delivery systems, striving for strong plants, and garden performance. Distributed nationally, available locally, product information at beneficialbiologics.com. After the NPR headlines and local weather, I'll be speaking with Taylor Wolf, and we'll be talking about the availability of vaccines. Also, we'll talk about the fact that Nevada County has now been designated in the purple category, which allows some of our businesses to open up. Also, we'll have financial news with KVMR's resident economist, Gary Zimmerman, and we'll have a commentary with Jim Hightower. At 6.30, we'll be broadcasting this week's edition of The Sages Among Us. And at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. But first, NPR headlines, followed by regional weather. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. In a bipartisan rebuke, the House of Representatives has voted to impeach President Donald Trump. The move comes one week after a mob of pro-Trump supporters violently attacked the U.S. Capitol building. NPR's Windsor Johnston reports 10 Republicans broke with the party, making Trump the only U.S. president to be impeached twice. Ahead of the vote, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer pleaded with lawmakers to hold President Trump accountable for last week's violent insurrection. Are we to stand silent? Will we stand silent? Will we not stand up and say this is not acceptable? House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the president bears responsibility for the attack, but argued that impeaching him would create further divisions. It does not matter if you are liberal, moderate, or conservative. All of us must resist the temptation of further polarization. Instead, we must unite once again as Americans. The Senate will not hold an impeachment trial until after the inauguration. Windsor Johnston, NPR News, Washington. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is rejecting a Democratic attempt to swiftly call the chamber into emergency session for an impeachment trial for President Trump. The Kentucky Republicans' decision was conveyed by a staffer who said it all but assures there will be no Senate proceedings until after Democrat Joe Biden's inauguration January 20th. McConnell has said he thinks Trump's committed impeachable offenses but has not said how he will vote. comes as the House moved to impeach Trump today for his role in inciting the riot that led to a takeover of the Capitol by pro-Trump loyalists. Meanwhile, the president issued a statement today calling for no violence at expected protests surrounding the inauguration. NPR's Frank Ordonez reports the statement comes as the House of Representatives pushed ahead on its vote to impeach the president. The president is being accused of inciting his supporters who stormed the U.S. Capitol last week as Congress worked to certify the November election results. Republican Representative Jim Jordan, a close ally of Trump, read his statement on the floor during the impeachment debate. I urge that there must be no violence, no lawbreaking, no vandalism of any kind. This is not what I stand for. This is not what America stands for. I call on all Americans to help ease tensions and calm down. 
The FBI has issued a warning about protests and violence in state capitals ahead of President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration day. Franco Ordonez, NPR News. Consumer prices took a slight bump up in December, but led by a, sh- led by a sharp rise in gas prices. Labor Department announced today December's four-tenths of a percent increase follows a smaller two-tenths of a percent rise the previous month. Even though it was not a huge number, it marked the largest increase in prices in some four months. On Wall Street, a mix closed today. The Dow was down eight points. The Nasdaq closed up 56 points. The S&P 500 gained eight points today. You're listening to NPR. Conservation groups say they are suing the federal government, contending it has acted too slowly on proposals meant to expand protections of critically endangered right whales. The suit filed today accuses the National Marine Fisheries Service of continuing to ignore conservationist petitions to expand speed limit restrictions on ships in U.S. waters where the whales feed and give birth. Collisions with ships is one of the top killers of right whales. Scientists estimate there are fewer than 370 of the right whales alive at the current moment. Crude oil futures prices closed lower today. Benchmark crude ending the session down 30 cents a barrel to close at 52.91 a barrel on the New York Mercantile Exchange. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. And taking a look at the weather in our region here in Grass Valley, Nevada City area, it looks like we'll have a low of 50 tonight, high of 68 tomorrow, mostly sunny and warm through next week with highs in the mid-60s. No rain in the forecast. Sacramento will have a low of 43 tonight, high of 62 tomorrow. Again, it's mostly sunny into next week with no rain forecast. And up in Truckee, pretty warm for the mountains. Low of 25, high of 55 tomorrow. Partly cloudy over the weekend and early next week with no snow in the near future. I'm speaking with Taylor Wolf, um, analyst for Nevada County. And Taylor, lots of things in the news uh, right now concerning the COVID uh, situation. So uh, where do we start first? Um, Why don't we start with the designation being we're back to the colors again. We're purple once again. Can you explain to our listeners what that means? Sure, I'd be happy to. I know COVID is continues to be a quickly evolving situation, and we always appreciate the opportunity to connect with your listeners, Paul. Um, Yesterday, the state announced that our greater Sacramento region that Nevada County belongs to, um, our four-week projections were going to fall above 15% or greater, meaning we could exit the stay-home order that we've been in for the past month, month and a half. And we exit not as a region, but as a county, going back into the the tier system. The state calls this their blueprint for a safer economy. Um, The tier system is the most restrictive tier uh, within the the four tiers in the tier system. Uh, However, it is a little bit less restrictive, so this is the good news, than the stay-home order. It will allow for services such as hair salons, barbershops, and personal care services to open with modifications again. Hotels and lodging can open with modifications instead of being open only for essential personnel. 
Um, movie theaters can open outdoors. Wineries can open outdoors. And restaurants can open outdoors with modifications as well. There's a few other industries that are impacted, but those are the most notable. If people want to do a deep dive of what's open in Nevada County currently, they can go to the state's website, covid19.ca.gov. Uh, they actually have a web tool where you can type in our county and the industry you are looking for and see exactly what kind um, that industry should be following and what's open. And uh, exactly what was the reason where we switched back to this designation? Yeah, so it gets um, slightly complex, but it, it really goes back to ICU capacity for the stay-home order. Um, when we fell below 15% as a region, uh, we went into the stay-at-home order and had to stay in the stay-home order for at least three weeks or uh, until our four-week projection said we would uh, start seeing 15% or higher ICU capacity in the region. And why it does have that regional focus rather than just looking at Nevada County hospitals uh, is because there is truly an interconnectivity in our hospital system here. Uh, a great example of this and a possible uh, question that the public may have had after our Monday dashboard update is, um, you know, we reported 20 deaths on our dashboard. That almost represents half of our deaths so far through the COVID pandemic on Monday. Uh, and this is really because some of these deaths uh, were reallocated back to Nevada County. They were Nevada County residents who were serviced and had uh, care, were hospitalized out of county and passed away at those hospitals out of county. The state was doing some cleaning up of their data and reallocated those deaths back to Nevada County because they were Nevada County residents. Uh, so that is, is one good example of the interconnectivity of our hospital system. Um, and again, this large spike in deaths, it really is just a sober reminder of the threat of COVID-19 it is a little bit of good news that we're moving in the widespread purple tier, but a really good reminder that we have to remain diligent about keeping those COVID-19 modifications in place. And that's, you know, wearing your mask, being mindful of social distancing, um, and still refraining from those social gatherings as well. Uh, we know that together we can stop the surge and save lives, but also work towards lowering our daily COVID-19 cases and our positivity rates, which ultimately affects where we land in the tier system as we uh, just exited into the purple tier. All in all, it's good news that we move back into the purple, especially for especially for restaurants, because they can actually do something Absolutely. again. <laughs> Absolutely, it is good news, uh, and we, we hope it stays that way. Again, uh, it's everybody's work and efforts that allows us to stay within the purple tier, keep our ICU capacity at a, a healthier place. Uh, we know our hospitals are still significantly impact, impacted, and personnel is, is stretched really, really thin, so we are super grateful for all our local health care workers locally. Um, but that being said, um, you know, hopefully we can – Together, uh, continue to lower those daily COVID-19 cases and positivity rates, which are the two metrics the state looks at with this current tier system, um, and move backwards in a good way towards that red substantial tier that people may have remembered that allowed some indoor restaurant capacity and other indoor capacities, of course, with modifications uh, throughout many industries. So as of right now, uh, restaurants are serving outdoors. People that want to go to town tonight, for example, can go to some of their favorite places and find a seat outdoors. 
in their little tented areas, which they've so cleverly constructed. That is correct, yeah. Uh, this was effective immediately as of yesterday when the state announced it. So uh, as long as the restaurants uh, were able to get their staffing and able to open um, up so they can start serving outdoors, they, they are able to be open under the state's orders. Um, one other thing I'd like to talk to you about is vaccines. And uh, tell us the, the current situation and uh, give our listeners some kind of guidelines about where where, and when they might be able to get uh, vaccinated. So let's start right now with, I think, the, the current group that is being uh, allowed, and that's the uh, 75 and older group. Where, where does that stand as of right now? Yeah, thank you for asking this, Paul. Um, you know, we've been talking about this as the light of the end of, end of the tunnel. I know people are excited to get vaccinated. Um, we are moving as quickly, safely, and equitably possible through this process. We have somewhere upwards of 3,000 vaccines in Nevada County, um, and it all follows the state prioritization process. So we are currently uh, vaccinating who we started out with, those frontline hospital workers. We're vaccinating nursing facilities, long-term care settings, uh, residential mental health facilities, paramedics, EMTs, and others providing emergency medical center services. Uh, primary care clinics, community health workers um, are all being vaccinated right now with those 3,000 doses that have uh, been allocated by the state from the federal supply to Nevada County. The governor announced today some exciting news that um, 65 plus uh, could be vaccinated uh, very soon as well. Uh, bottom line is, you know, we don't have enough vaccines that have been allocated to Nevada County to be able to vaccinate those populations quite uh, yet. But we're hearing that the allocations and supplies coming down from the federal and state level should stabilize in the next couple of weeks uh, where we'll be able to get more vaccines out there. Uh, we'll be able to communicate a better idea with the community as well as to when they may be vaccinated and how they can't be vaccinated. We're posting all this information on our website, mynevadacounty.com slash coronavirus, and you can actually go directly to the vaccine page if you'd like to book a market at mynevadacounty.com slash coronavirus slash vaccine. So that is the go-to place then, say someone my age, which is over 75, um, if I wanted to get vaccinated next week, that's where I would go and essentially book my spot in the line. So there is no wait list right now, um, but we're working on systems to be able to get information out to people. Another great resource is 211 Connecting Point in addition to our website. Uh, our website really lets people where let people know where we are at, uh, but we're continually working to get the most recent and up to date information up there. Uh, but two one one connecting point they're they're embedded in our process and have a lot of information as well. So if you have specific questions as far as vaccines, um, when your age group or category might be able to get vaccinated, they are a great resource as well and can be reached at. One eight three three dial two one one. Taylor Wolf, thank you so much for speaking with KVMR. Thank you, Paul.
I'm speaking with Gary Zimmerman, KVMR's resident economist. And Gary, the news has been so occupied by Trump and the impeachment and all those things. There's been scarcely a mention of the economy in the last few weeks. But uh, that's what we're here to talk about. So uh, let's start off with this. Uh, Gary, uh, this is the season when private forecasters and public agencies release their forecast for the year, 2021. So even with everything else going on today, I'd like for you to talk about the outlook for the U.S. economy from that perspective uh, for the next year. Okay, well, Paul, thank you for inviting me back in 2021. Uh, well, obviously, making or giving economic forecasts are a challenge, and I, I think I've given about a, a thousand in my years as an economist. So, uh, let me let me think about how Mark Twain once put it, which is prediction is difficult, especially when it involves the future. So, uh, there there's some risks here in the forecasting business, and. Uh, adding greatly to those risks today or with either predicting or forecasting the course of the economy in 2021 or the risks associated with COVID-19 resurging in recent months uh, through our population. That's likely to affect our economy, which means our jobs, our businesses, our income, our spending. Um, you know, and that's happening when we haven't fully or nearly recovered from the deep and severe early 2020 COVID-19 recession. So, you know, and then in the past week, um, as you've just mentioned, you know, forecasters might even need to consider um, incorporating some political instability effects or shocks into their uh, forecasts for financial markets and the economy. Um, this is too recent to be incorporated in most of the new 2021 forecasts that have been released in the last few weeks. Uh, and it probably could lower some forecasts. So forecasting is a challenge today, but you know there are some forecasts that I can talk about. Well, before we get into details of various forecasts or predictions for this year, what is the big picture you're seeing in the recent economic uh, forecasts? Well, the big picture is the economy should continue to expand in 2021. Uh, you know, still we're looking at some recent major economic indicators, made mainly labor market data that give a real good read on recent economic conditions and the direction of the economy. You know, and in the fourth quarter, those labor market, particularly in December, those labor market numbers have been weaker and, and de definitely showing some signs of deterioration. So we've got a New claims for unemployment insurance went over 800,000 last week. Uh, the economy lost uh, 144,000 payroll jobs in December. So there's clearly some recent deterioration. And that, that figure, those figures tell me the economy is slowing after the partial rebound from the, the 2020 recession. Well, quick question, Gary. Are these forecasts available to the public? Yes, they are. And they're all from you know, reputable, publicly available economic forecasts that are uh, reported in the news recently. So you can find them online or, or in the news. Um, I've looked at several of them to get a sense of where the economy is headed in 2021. They come from a variety of sources, some from the U.S. government, like the Congressional Budget Office, uh, another important one from the Federal Reserve. There's the National Association of Business Economists uh, or Economics Forecast group I've belonged to in the past. Uh, the conference board uh, research group uh, publishes a number of in indicators and forecasts. Um, international organizations like the Organization for Economic uh, Development Cooperation, um, OECD. Uh, and then you've got the private sector forecasts that are all regular, and all of them regularly release uh, at least annual forecasts, in some cases quarterly forecasts for the, for the year ahead. 
Okay, Gary, that, that brings us to another question about these forecasts. Are there big differences between the corporate and private sector forecast for the U.S. economy in 2021 and the government or Fed forecast for 2021? <laughs> well, Paul, you've been doing your homework. Great question. Um, and it is something that I always look at and consider when I'm trying to get a consensus or looking at a group of forecasts for the coming year. And, you know, we want to consider things that might account for differences in those forecasts as well. And there are a number of factors one has to consider when, you know, think, looking at differences between forecasts, you know, sometimes it's different assumptions about the economy, different sectors of the economy could grow faster or slower. Sometimes it's differences in timing, a, a new forecast is probably better than an older one. Um, and then you could have new information or shocks to the economy in some forecasts that may not be included in earlier ones. So, you know, today that might be the risks associated with the recent spread of COVID and the political risks. And on the positive side, you know, the impacts of in the, in the last few weeks, vaccines, um, you know, that could help the economy and, and growth going forward. So in general, I'd say some of the well-known private sector economic forecasts are more optimistic about the 2021 economic growth, uh, showing noticeably faster growth in real or in or inflation-adjusted gross domestic product, or GDP. That's the total output that'll be produced over the year. And, and that's, that's important. It's important to notice that. How about some of the private sector forecasts that you have been looking at? I, I'm looking at two of them that have been reported in the news very recently. Uh, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, for example, their recent 2020 economic forecasts are estimating economic growth, um, you know, around 6%. And that's well above the long run growth rate for the economy today. That's probably closer to 2%. Um, most other forecasts and, and the consensus that Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley note are, are closer to 4% or in 4% range. So you know, Goldman Sachs is noticing that they're expecting a sizable economic stimulus package that will help. Um, Morgan Stanley notes, you know, strength in consumer spending, boosting growth. And that's, again, you know, would be a, another factor related to the, the stimulus package as well. So, you know, and consumer spending, remember, accounts for about 70% of GDP spending. So you can see why more optimistic consumer spending um, should boost GDP growth for the year. So these stimulus checks that are um, coming out or have come out and um, possibly are going to continue, that's money that mostly goes directly back into the economy. Yes, if it's designed well, it will get going back into the economy quickly um, and, and boost spending. And, and we saw it made a big difference uh, in 2020 in helping boost spending. Also, for some people, it, it boosts savings, but, uh, but overall, it helped, helped get the economy going again. So for comparison purposes, again, how fast do most economists think the economy will grow in a year under normal conditions? 2% growth would be the generally close to 2% growth would be the long run average growth. Um, the Fed, I think, is at about 1.8% is the Fed policymakers expectation for that figure. Um, so for perspective growth, you know, 4% GDP growth, uh, that's kind of the general consensus forecast today is still rapid growth for the U.S. economy, about twice the expected long run growth rate. And, you know, 4% is fast, but, you know, we might expect that relatively rapid growth as the economy rebounds from the short and, and very deep 
2020 recession. Um, but still, the big question for all these forecasts is how much damage are we getting from the recent spreading of the pandemic uh, today? Uh, Gary, uh, the Federal Reserve policymakers met last month. Uh, did the policymakers project another recession in 2021 or um, are they expecting slow growth or a continued rebound for the 2021 economy? Well, the, the Fed policymakers' uh, projections from, from mid-December show that, you know, the economy, they're expecting the economy to have shrunk about 2.4% in 2020. For 2021, they're projecting fairly optimistic growth, 4.2%. So that's pretty fast uh, as they see the economy rebounding from the 2020 recession. And they see 3.2%, which is, again, fast in 2022. Um, with that faster GDP growth, they're expecting the unemployment rate to continue falling. Um, six point, it ended the year 2020 at 6.7%. They're expecting about 5% the end of 2021, 4.2%, which is getting pretty close to their f- full employment rate at, uh, at the end of 2022. Uh, they see inflation rising from 1.2% in 2020 to 1.8% in 2021, 1.9% in 2022, still below the Fed's you know, 2% inflation goal. Um, and so, you know, we're, they're not seeing any increase in their short-term target Fed funds rate, at least through 2023. So it's a, it's a pretty good outlook. Gary, do you think these forecasts are reasonable um, that have been proposed? You know, it looks like the these forecasts are telling us that there'll be a relatively strong year for the economy in 2021. And, and we need that given the, the 2020 COVID recession, the weak labor markets, the high level of unemployment. So, you know, so it's a, it's a pretty good forecast considering where we've been. And it's important that, you know, that we get close to it um, for the recovery. Thank you very much, Gary. I'm looking forward to our next chat in a couple of weeks. OK, thank you, Paul. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the Federal Reserve in San Francisco and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino Placerville, and this is the Wednesday edition of KVMR's Evening News. KVMR's Evening News airs Monday through Friday, 6 to 6.30 p.m. Coming up at 6.30 this evening, we have this week's edition of The Sages Among Us, and at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Closing out today's newscast, we have Jim Hightower with a commentary. What's wrong with people? Has the savagery and raw animal hatred within the human species finally come out of the darkness to devour our society? Fanatics in MAGA caps rabidly cheering a tyrannical, lying, insane president? Gangs of proud boys beating protesters whose politics they dislike? Wackadoodle extremists promoting the group hallucination that Nancy Pelosi is leading a fiendish democratic cabal of child sex traffickers. But is that really who we are? Given the media and political focus and all things awful about people, you would think so. 
but consider a couple of little-discussed truths about humanity that might help all of us step back from hopelessness and push ahead in our political work with a fresh perspective on what is possible. Warning, these truths are so contrary to present-day conventional thinking of what is possible that when some people are first exposed, their brains whiplash. So brace yourself, here goes. Truth number one, most people are fundamentally fair-minded, kind, and generous. Truth number two, the basic human instinct is not dog-eat-dog selfishness, but social cooperation and sharing. You might holler in disbelief, how can such happy truths jibe with that litany of horrors we are experiencing? Well, although there are obvious exceptions to the rule, decades of behavioral studies have by and large produced the same finding. The great majority of people are guided in their daily actions and relations by deep values of fairness and sharing. This is Jim Hightower saying, it turns out that humankind is, well, overwhelmingly kind. That's the deep, promising virtue that we should highlight, making people's innate desire for an equitable, cooperative society the basis for every one of our economic, political, and social policies. That's our newscast for this evening. KVMR's evening news airs Monday through Friday, 6 to 6.30 p.m. If you've heard something on this newscast you'd like to hear again, you can go to our website at kvmr.org where you can download audio or listen on demand. Special thanks today to Gary Zimmerman and Taylor Wolf. Coming up next, we have this week's edition of The Sages Among Us and at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. I'm Paul Emery with KVMR News. Thanks for listening.